Welcome to Truth for Transformation with Timothy Brown. Timothy is the lead pastor of Arden First Baptist Church in Arden, North Carolina. Our mission is to lead ordinary people into extraordinary life in Christ. We pray that today's message inspires you to live an extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. Check out our website for more inspiring resources, ArdenFBC.com. Now, here's today's message from Pastor Timothy Brown. Hello, friends. Welcome to Arden Church at Home. We are so glad you join us today. If you are a first-time guest with us online, please put that in the comments section. I would encourage you all to go ahead and share this on your Facebook profile. Just click on Share, and that way we can help get the message out to all of your friends. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 23. This will also be scrolling along the bottom of the screen so you can follow along. Today's message is called A Light in the Darkness. As you turn to the scripture in Luke chapter 23, I want to ask you a few questions. How many of you are struggling right now? Go ahead and put that in the comment section. How many of you are really having a tough time? How many of you are stressed out and a little troubled about what's going on in America today? How many of you have seen the protests and the riots? If you're like me, I've been very disturbed. And today's message is going to be a message of hope. I've come to give you good news in a bad news era. I've come to bring message of hope when there's not a lot of hope out there. So today we're going to talk about a light in the darkness. I wonder how many of you ever collected fireflies as a kid. In the south we call them lightning bugs. In the north some of you call them fireflies. But that's something I love to do with my kids. We love to get out and collect fireflies. As some of you know, some of you don't know, I have four children and one on the way in August. And one of the things that we love to do this time of year is to get these glass mason jars. And we go out as the, the sun is setting and the night starts coming, the darkness starts getting thicker. Whenever it gets dark, we see these little lights flicker. And we know that these fireflies are out. So we go and we grab these mason jars and we put them in and we poke holes in the mason jars. And my, my kids, especially my two girls, they just glow with joy over these lightning bugs. And in their room at nighttime when it gets really dark, they see that, that jar just light up. So today we're going to talk about how in the darkest days there's a light that shines brightly. So today, just to give you a little preview, we're going to talk about how the deepest dark, darkness shines the brightest light. Look to Jesus in every season of darkness and light will shine again. So friends, as you watch the news, as you see America on fire, as you see so much division going on, I want to give you light. So follow along with me in God's Word, and I just encourage you on your couch, wherever you're at, if some of you are still in bed, that's okay. Just lean forward in anticipation. Today's message is about light in the darkness. In Luke 23, starting in verse 44, Luke tells us now it was about the sixth hour. This is about noon. And darkness, there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour, meaning 3 p.m. The sun was darkened. And get this, the veil of the temple was torn in two. And this is a powerful moment. We're going to talk about what this means. And when Jesus cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. So when the centurion saw what happened, 
he glorified God, saying, Surely this was a righteous man. And the whole crowd who came together to that site, seeing what had been done, they beat their chest and returned. And all his acquaintances and the women who followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Now behold, there is a man named Joseph, a council member, a good and a just man. He had not consented to their decision and their deed. He was from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who himself was also waiting for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen, and laid it in a tomb that was hewn out of rock where no one had ever lain before. That was the preparation and the Sabbath drew near. And the women who had come with him from Galilee followed after. And they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils. And they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. Let's pray over God's word. Father, we pray that you would bless not only the reading, but the hearing of your word. As we talk about a light shining in the darkness, speak to your hearts and help us understand what your word has to say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for just joining our live stream. We're going to be in Luke's gospel for those of you just now tuning in. Luke chapter 23. And today we're going to talk about a light in the darkness. What do you do when your world seems like it's falling apart? How do you handle what's going on with the coronavirus? How do you handle what's going on with America? We are living in a time of darkness, but I've got good news for you. Whenever it's the darkest outside in our world, that's when light shines the brightest. So today we're going to talk about four principles of light shining in the darkness. And we're going to look at the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, how in the greatest darkness there emerged the greatest light. Point number one. After the greatest darkness comes the brightest light from separation to acceptance. Now look back in your scripture, verse 44 and 45. It says, now it was about the sixth hour and there was darkness. Someone say darkness, darkness. There was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was torn in two. Now, friends, I want you to get this during The brightest part of the day around noon, typically noon or shortly thereafter, is the brightest part of the day. From noon to three, during the brightest time of the day, it was actually the darkest time of the day. Have you ever felt like life should be much better than it is? Have you ever felt like you're in a situation that you thought would turn out okay? It's supposed to be a bright situation, but it turned to be darkness. Here in the text, we find that there was darkness over the land for three hours. Now, we know this was not an eclipse because Jewish Passover, when this time occurred, uh, it was a full moon. So we know it was a lunar eclipse. It was a supernatural darkness. And this darkness was symbolizing sin. It was sin that took Jesus to the cross. It was our sin that nailed him there. And whenever I look at this text, it reminds me of just a personal application that all of us go through a season of darkness. All of us have experienced this this season of darkness. But I want you to know that even when there's great darkness, that's when the light shines the brightest. If you're going through a season of darkness right now, I want to give you this encouragement as a Christ follower. Darkness is but for a season for the Christ follower. One day, the light of the world will light up the darkness around you. One day, your sickness will become healing. One day, your broken heart will be made whole again. 
One day, your dead dream will find new life again. For the Christ follower, the best days are not behind you, but they're ahead of you. So whenever we read this scripture, it just gives us hope that God's got something there, even in the midst of your darkness. I'm reminded of a time of David's life in the book of Psalms, whenever Saul was chasing him. If you're taking notes, this is Psalm chapter 18. In verses 28 through 30, David says, You will light my lamp. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop. By my God I can leap over a wall. As for God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all those who trust in Him. Friends, right now you may be in darkness, but God can light it up. You may be in darkness for a season. The Bible says weeping may come for a night, but joy comes in the morning. So I want to encourage you right now, it's stressful times. I don't want to minimize what you're going through. Right now, it's discouraging times. But look at the text. Look at what happens next. In the midst of this darkness, the Bible says the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. Now, some of you are like, what is the veil of the temple? This goes back to the Jewish temple. And there was a place called the Holy of Holies. And then outside of the place of the Holy of Holies was the holy place. And according to the Old Testament, the high priest could only go into the Holy of Holies one day of year on the Day of Atonement. And what's interesting is the other people could not go. So what does this mean, this veil, this curtain being torn from top to bottom? Well, it means that God did it. It wasn't man. He tore it from heaven down to earth. And I think there's two implications that you can get from this. Number one is access to God is now granted for everyone who claims the name of Jesus. So you don't have to wait for a high priest to go on your behalf once a year. You can go straightly, boldly into the throne of grace to find help in time of need. So the first implication of this is that you and I, if you claim the name of Jesus, if you're a Christian, a Christ follower, you have bold access because of Christ, to go straight into the throne room of God the Father. The second application is something to really think about. God is not limited, nor has God ever been limited to a physical location. So the, the, the veil tearing means we have access to God, but also God's presence is invading. It's coming out of the Holy of Holies, invading the whole world. So God cannot be limited by any location. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. So I'm speaking to all of my at-home audience. You're not able to come to church right now because of health concerns or other reasons. But I want you to know that God is not limited by physical location. The Bible says that Christians, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit collectively. You are the part of the body of Christ. So the the temple was there and the curtain was torn so that you have access to God, but also God His presence is going everywhere. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 28, in verses 18 to 20. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now listen to verse 20. He says, Surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Ever since that curtain torn, we have the promise, the reminder, that God is not, nor has He ever been limited by physical location. So that, that is a wonderful truth. And the comment section put, Amen, preach it, preacher. <laughs> so I want to encourage you that since God is with you always and forever, you now no longer have to fear rejection. 
Since God is with you now and forever, you don't have to fear being lonely because you're never alone. Jesus is always with you because God is with us both now and forever. You don't have to fear sickness. You don't have to fear death. Jesus has already won the victory over these things. So, friends, I want to encourage you to live in faith, not in fear. No matter what happens, Jesus has won the victory. All right. The second principle. Someone say out of darkness. Number two, the greatest sacrifice brought about the greatest salvation we have from death to life. In verses 46 through 49, Jesus says he cried out with a loud voice saying, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So I want you to get this, friends. Jesus gave up his spirit, meaning that Jesus was in control of his life with the Father from first breath to his last breath. It says he yielded it up. No one took his life from him, but Jesus freely gave it for you and for I. So, friends, I want you to see this, that Jesus breathed his last breath on the cross. And I want you to get this picture. Take a deep breath. Exhale. Jesus breathed his last breath on the cross so that you could breathe your first breath at the cross. Whenever you come running to Jesus breathless, Remember that he exhaled so that you could inhale. He breathed out his life so that you could breathe in his life, everlasting life. Jesus breathed his last breath so that you could breathe in life eternally as you come to him. So, friends, I want you to notice that Jesus breathed his last breath. The arrival of Jesus to earth changed all of history. You notice on the calendar you have B.C. and A.D., This term comes from a medieval Latin term, Anno Domini, which means in the year of our Lord. And it's talking about the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the fact that every time you write a check, every time you, you say a date on the calendar, Jesus' arrival, his life changed all of history. Has his arrival changed your history? Has he changed your life? It should. Because whenever it's dark, whenever it's, just sad. Whenever times are tough, I want you to know that Jesus is the light and his life and his death and his resurrection changes everything. Friends, speaking of Jesus breathing his last breath, I want to ask you a question. What if the worst thing that ever happened to you, what if God could turn it around and it became the best thing that ever happened to you? In 1809, a lovely couple by the name of Simon and Monique Braille welcomed their fourth child into the world, Louis. And they lived in a small stone house just outside of Paris. And Mr. Braille was a harness maker. Leather working tools were dangerous. So he told his little toddler, hey, stay out of my shop. He didn't want anything to happen. But Louis was still small and curious as many young boys can be. He slipped into his father's shop and curiously started staring at this fascinating tool called an owl. And the sharp tool was used to punch holes in leather for the leather working. So as little Lewis was looking at this special owl, this tool used to punch holes in the leather, he slipped and fell. And the tool, as you can picture what's going to happen next, pierced one of his eyes. And little Lewis was really hurting. The eye got infected and he just couldn't stop rubbing that eye. And in time, the infection spread to the other eye. And by the age of four, little Lewis was completely blind. 
and all hope seemed to be lost for his future. A bright young child. But you know what? His, his family didn't give up. They sent Louis to the Royal Institute for the Blind in Paris. And he began to learn. And he learned music and other things. He excelled as an organist. And at 12, he began to ask this question, how can the blind read? Just eight years later, he's like, I want to learn how to read. How could blind people learn to read? Over his summer break at home, Lewis was determined to find the answer. As he moved and groped about his father's shop in search of the right tool for the task, he found the same instrument that blinded him, the owl. And the owl would make raised dots he had seen in the French military system of night riding. So as he was looking at this raised object, the raised dots, he began to develop this system. And friends, with the very instrument that blinded him, Lewis worked and worked until he created a system whereby he and other blind people could read and write, work math problems, and even compose music. So I want to ask you, what is your owl? What is the very thing that hurts you? What is the very thing that caused you so much pain and darkness? What if God can use that to bring about the greatest light? Whenever it's dark outside, That's when the brightest light shines. Look to Jesus in every season of darkness and your light will shine again. Point number three, there's always a righteous remnant in the midst of a mad mob from despair to destiny. Look at verse 50. It says, Now behold, there was a man named Joseph, a council member, a good and a just man. He had not consented to their decision and their deed. He was from Arimathea, city of the Jews, who himself was also waiting for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen, laid it in the tomb that was hewn out of rock, where no one had ever lain before. This was the preparation, and Sabbath drew near. So I want to encourage you in this text, in the midst of this mob, there is this bright light that appears. His name is Joseph of Arimathea. What do we know about Joseph? Well, a few things from the text. He was a member of the Jewish Sanhedrin. So that means he was a prominent guy. He was a Jewish religious leader. He was a godly man. He was good towards others and just in how he treated others. He did not buy into group think. The Bible says he did not consent with them about their rejection of Jesus and what they, what they did. According to John 19.38, he was a secret disciple of Jesus prior to this event out of fear of the Jews. So here's something I want you to get out of that. Before, he did things in secret and private, but now he's going public. He's not ashamed anymore. And I I want to speak to somebody that maybe you're like Joseph of Arimathea. You've been a private Christian. You've been a secret saint. And now it's time to come out. Now it's time to let the world know that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Because a secret saint or as some pastors have called it, a secret service saint, they don't change the world. Only those who are willing to step out to stand up and make a difference for Christ. Uh, We also notice that he was generous. Scripture says that he gave his own family tomb for Jesus' burial. And by the way, for the Bible scholars out there, this fulfilled Isaiah 53, 9, which says, And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. So Isaiah 53, 9, spoken hundreds of years before this, is now fulfilled in Joseph of Arimathea. He made his grave with the rich at his death. So Joseph of Arimathea gave his own family tomb. But also, 
One of the most important things about Joseph, he was wanting and he was waiting for something far bigger than himself, the kingdom of God. And Joseph of Arimathea falls in line with people in the Bible we see like Zacharias and Elizabeth, Simeon and Anna, who at the birth of Jesus were waiting for the coming king. And now we see at the death of Jesus, someone else who's waiting for the coming kingdom. So friends, I want you to know all of Jesus' ministry was about the kingdom of God. And what is the kingdom of God, you ask? It's the rule and the reign of God. It's the work of God in our hearts. It, it's, it's, a, it's a kingdom inside of us, but it's also a literal coming kingdom. So right now, the kingdom of God is God's rule and reign in his followers. But one day, it's going to be a literal kingdom. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And the kingdom of God will reign eternal. Friends, kings of this world will pass away. Great countries have come and great countries have gone. But the kingdom of God stands forever. So in today's culture, I want to encourage you. We need some men and women who are willing to be like Joseph of Arimathea. Men men and women of conviction. Men and women who are going to stand out when it would be easier to, to sit down. Men and women who are going to say what's right when it would be easier to be silent. And I just want to say that we, we've been through a lot with, with all these hate crimes that's been going on. And I just want to encourage you, racism is not a skin issue, it's a sin issue. And as the body of Christ, we got to denounce racism. So I want you to know that I denounce racism because as a Christian, we love people of all skin tones. As a Christian, we've got to be for people. So I want to call out the Joseph of Arimathea in you to stand up and to say, no matter what's happening in the world, I'm going to be salt. I'm going to be light. I'm going to light up the darkness around me with God working through me. Continue on in the scripture. It says that, verse 53, Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen, laid it in a tomb that was hewn out of rock, where no one had ever laid before. And verse 54 says, That day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew near. So I want to encourage you, friends, that today... You know, a lot of things are going on. And there's a lot of crisis in our world. And before we move on to the next point, just keep doing the next right thing. Even if it's not popular, even if it's not politically correct, keep doing the next right thing. Point number four, your dream may have died, but there's still a greater glimmer of hope from Friday to Sunday. Now, these last two verses end with kind of a dot, dot, dot and an eclipse. Look at verse 55. It says, And the women who had come with him from Galilee followed after. They observed the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils. And they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. Notice that these women, they just had their dream dashed. Their savior, their friend, their, their mentor, the one that was leading them has just died. What do you do when your dream is this died? What do you do when your hope seems gone? Many of us are asking these questions in today, over 2,000 years later. But I want you to notice that all of these women, their dreams and their future seems dashed. But you know what? This was Friday. What they didn't realize in the next chapter, Sunday is coming. Right now, you may be in a sad Saturday what they experienced the next day, like, man, Jesus has been dead. We don't know what happened on Saturday, but it was a sad Saturday. But we're all going to a little preview for next week. Sunday's coming. There's always hope. 
even though your dream still seems like it's dead, don't give up. Because with God, when it's dark outside, that's when His light shines the brightest. So notice that they kept doing the next right thing. They prepared spices and fragrant oils for Jesus' body. They rested according to the the Sabbath principle, the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So even though they were devastated, they kept doing the next right thing they knew to do. And just by application, I want to speak to you today. I want to reach into your living room. I want to reach into your home, wherever you're watching this from. I want to reach into your city. I want to reach into your town. I want to go up to your street block and I want to declare this on the street corner that no matter what you're going through, there's still hope. There's still hope. Trust in the Lord. Know that the next, the next thing that's going to come is light. So I just want to close with some application. Some of you are in a bad situation right now. What if you just lost your job? For those of you who are part of the 25 plus percent that you've lost your job, I just want to speak hope to you that when it's dark, that's when his light shines the brightest. So don't, don't give up. Don't quit. Just do the next right thing. It may mean that you have to get a LinkedIn profile. It may mean that you have to start networking again. You've got to pray as, as if all depends upon God and work as though all depends upon you. It's a relationship. Pray and let God do his part, but he expects you to do your part. Someone right now that's listening today, you're in a bad relationship. And you don't know what to do. And you're like, Timothy, are you reading my mail? How did you know? Listen, I'm speaking to you. You're in a bad relationship. And I want to encourage you, for those of you who are not married, you're in a dating relationship, but you know it's not good. Are you settling for second best? God's got a great plan for you. Don't settle for second best. Don't settle for a consolation prize. Seek after what God is doing. And know that the great relationship he has for you is out there. So keep trusting in him. What about if your finances are struggling right now? Some of you, maybe you haven't lost your job, but maybe you're waiting on the next stimulus check. You're like, Timothy, I'm a restaurant owner and we're at 50% capacity or less. And I'm not sure how we're going to make it. That's a real struggle. But I just want to encourage you. Jesus is the answer. Turn to him. He's going to give you the answer. Just trust in him. Well, what if my restaurant closes? Listen, God can give you new dream. Realize that what you're going through now, it's not the end story. Whenever it's the darkest outside, that's when his light shines the brightest. What about for those of you who are frightened and stressed out with what's going on in America right now? I want to remind you that this is not the kingdom that's going to endure forever. It's the kingdom of God. The kingdoms of this world, mark my word, will pass away. But the kingdom of God endures forever. So if you're all frightened and it's natural to be frightened, I'm just here to encourage you and remind both you and myself We're not living for this kingdom. We're not living for the kingdoms of this world. We're living for the kingdom of Christ, which lives forever. So don't get shaken up by this kingdom, which is passing away. The Bible says in 1 John 2, 16, For all that is in the world is passing away, but he who does the will of God will live forever. So let that encourage you. So a little review. Take out your notes and let's look over the four points we covered. A light shining in the darkness. Number one. After the greatest darkness comes the brightest light from separation to acceptance. Notice that the people thought like this was it. It was darkness for three hours, but yet the veil of the temple was torn. And that meant that we now have access to God, but also God's presence. And never has been limited, but now you can be reminded it's not limited by any building. The presence of God is invading the whole earth. Number two, 
The greatest sacrifice brought about the greatest salvation from death to life. So I want to encourage you. Jesus breathed out his last breath on the cross so that you could breathe in your first breath at the cross. It is finished. He paid the sin debt for you. Have you received it? If you haven't, we want to give you a chance in a moment to receive it. The gift of eternal life. Number three, there's always a righteous remnant in the midst of a mad mob from despair to destiny. We talked about Joseph of Arimathea, how he had not went along with groupthink, how he had not went along with the crowd, how he was willing to do the right thing even if it cost him greatly. And finally, number four, your dream may have died, but there's still a glimmer of hope from Friday to Sunday. What these ladies in this text did not know as they were preparing the spices, Friday looked really bad. Saturday was a sad Saturday. But next week, we're going to see Sunday's coming. Resurrection makes all things possible. So trust in God. So here's your challenge this week. Be a light to somebody who is walking in darkness. I want you to pick up the phone. I want you to encourage someone. And just practically what we're going on now, I I want you to stand with the black community. You you have people that you know that's uh, in the black community. Call them and just say, listen, we're standing with you. We're for you. I want you to know that racism is not a skin issue. It's a sin issue. So we've got to stand with people of all skin tones and love on them. We're called to be salt and light. So that's a challenge for you today. So summarize this into one sentence. Out of the deepest darkness shines the brightest light. Look to Jesus in every season of darkness and your light will shine again. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that as we're looking at the cross, all these beautiful characters and pictures are emerging. Joseph of Arimathea, who's making a bold stand, even though it's not politically correct. Uh, We see the women uh, who are getting the, the spices ready, and they're not anticipating a resurrection, but there's still hope because we know the rest of the story. Sunday's coming. Resurrection takes place. And right now, I want to pray for every Christian that's listening all around the world, Every Christian in the state of North Carolina, in the state of Texas, in Louisiana, Kansas City, uh, everywhere, every city, every state that's listening, Lord, I want to pray that we would take a stand, that we would be light, that we'd be salt, that God, we, we, would, we would denounce some of the sin issues that's going on and we would realize the gospel's the answer. We realize it's not a skin issue when it comes to what we're talking about in culture. It's a sin issue. So, Lord, bring healing to our nation. Bring healing to our country. God, we just pray that you would encourage and you would rally around the black community as they're going through so much right now, Lord. And, Lord, I pray that all of these situations we're going through in our country would point our country to you. As the believers continue to pray, I just want to speak to those who have never made the decision to accept Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus offers you eternal life. And if you're willing to receive what Jesus did on the cross, he died on the cross for your sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day. If you're willing to receive what he did, I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, go and say it out loud in your home. Lord Jesus, I believe the gospel. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. You were buried. And on Sunday, the third day, you rose again. And Jesus, I want to receive what you did for me on the cross. So Jesus, I invite you into my life to be my Lord, my Savior, my friend. And Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. 
I know my sins nailed you to the cross and I, I want you to forgive me of all my sins. I turn from my sin and I turn to you to follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, thanks for joining us for Arden at Home. I want to encourage you, if you made any decision, let us know. You can email us at office at ardenfirstbaptist.org or you can message us right here on Facebook. We'd love to set up an appointment with you to talk about your decision and just know that the best days are not behind us. The best days are ahead of us. Till next time. Thanks for being our special guest today. We pray that today's message inspires you to live an extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about having a relationship with Jesus, please email us at office at ardenfirstbaptist.org. If you live in the Asheville area, we would love for you to be our guest at Arden First Baptist Church. For more inspiring resources, visit us online at ardenfbc.com. Join us next week for another message from Pastor Timothy Brown.